your battle that you're fighting, your challenges that you're facing, your temptations that you're experiencing, listen to this, the battle belongs to the Lord. You know, we all have giants that we face in life. What do I mean by a giant? I mean what appears to be an insurmountable problem, issue, or difficulty. Something that may be dark and sinister, prowling around the perimeter of your life, or some challenge or difficulty that you don't see ever being resolved. There's all kinds of giants we face in life. There's like the giant of fear, something that's frightening you right now. Is there something like that? Something that when you think about it, your heart's just kind of gripped with panic, and uh, maybe it's what's gonna come your way, maybe it's problems you're having at home, but there's something you're deeply afraid of, or maybe you're just sort of a worry ward. What if this happens? What if that happens? It's not even a rational fear, but it's real nonetheless. Or it might be a giant of some kind of a personal sin, a certain area in your life where you are weak, a sin that you fall into over and over and over again. You'll have victory over it for a few weeks, sometimes even a month, but then it comes back with a vengeance. It might be pride or envy or gluttony or pornography or drinking or drugs or something like that, but it's a giant that taunts you day in and day out. And I wanna tell you how you can overcome your giant, how you can defeat your giant. And to do that, I'm going to do a very familiar story, the story of David and Goliath. Uh, Hebrews 11, look at that with me if you would. Verse 32, what more can I say for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Japheth, or Jephthah, also of David and of Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness they were made strong and they became valiant in battle. They turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. David stands out in scripture, fascinating thing, that not a lot of ink is given to David in Hebrews 11, but in other passages there's so much about him especially in the Old Testament, but also uh, he's mentioned so many times in the New Testament as a point of reference, really remembered as the greatest king in the history of Israel. And it's worth noting that Jesus Christ himself said he was the son of David on more than one occasion. David, a man of contrasts. He was a warrior and he was a worshiper. Sometimes people say, I'm a lover, not a fighter. David was both. He was a fighter, he was a lover, he was a man after God's own heart, he was a sinner. We all know his story well. First Samuel chapter 17, we're gonna start in verse 40 and read down to verse 51. And by the way, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Verse 40, he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them in his shepherd's bag. 
Then armed with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across to fight Goliath. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at the ruddy-faced boy. He roared at David, Am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Goliath yelled, Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. Now, I love David's response. David shouted in reply, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Now look at David's faith. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. Then I'll give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know there's a God in Israel, and everyone will know the Lord does not need weapons to rescue his people. It's his battle, not ours. The Lord will give you to us. Now notice this, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Notice that. He ran out to meet him. Verse 49, reaching into a shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it from his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and he fell face downward on the ground. So now David finishes the job. Verse 50, <clears throat> so David triumphed over the Philistine giant with only a stone and a sling. And since he had no sword, he ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath used it to kill the giant and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Wow, what a story. And what a victory. The will of the Philistines was broken. Uh, the will of the Israelis or the Israelites was reinvigorated. So what do we learn in this story about facing our giants in life? If you're taking notes, here's point number one. We all have giants. We all have obstacles. We all have problems, we all have challenges, we all have threats, we have things that we face that, well, they're just a lot bigger than us. But I want you to know that whatever you're facing right now, you're not the first one, nor will you be the last one to face it. In fact, over in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, remember the temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful, and he'll keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you are tempted, he'll show you a way out so you will not give into it. Everybody has giants. So having said that, let me also add this. Though everyone has giants, it is also true that every giant is defeatable. Every giant is defeatable. And by the way, Goliath was not always a giant. Remember, when we say giant, we just mean a really big dude, okay? Nine feet, six inches. He was kind of a freak of nature. There weren't a lot of people his size, but he was a human being. And uh, that means he was probably the biggest baby you've ever seen, right? And then when it came time to change Goliath's diaper, I don't think anyone wanted, you know, the dad would say, I'm not, I did it last time. It traumatized me. You do it, you know. <laughs> and then one day the, the giant, the giant baby became a giant toddler. Man, I would have hated to have seen Goliath in his terrible twos, right? And then the toddler turned into a young man and then he became an adolescent. And now he's an adult, uh, a massive man. And I bring that up because giants start small and then they get big. Sometimes there are things that we think we're managing in our life. Let's take alcohol as an example. Uh, you know, maybe you 
like to have a drink, you know, a beer with the boys, a glass of wine with dinner. It was no big issue for you. You said you have the liberty. It's great. But then you found that, well, you know, when you get home from work, you need a drink to kind of relax and unwind and then fast forward a little bit. Well, you now you kind of need a drink to kind of get up and go in the morning and well, now you need a drink to get through the day and one day you'll wake up and you have a problem with alcohol. In fact, you are a functioning alcoholic, maybe not even functioning so well. And you're saying, how did this start? Uh, how did this take place? And it's become a giant. So it's a problem. And I'll tell you what, it's a big problem because I've seen a lot of lives ruined by alcohol. I mean, you all know I was raised in an alcoholic home. Frankly, I've never seen one good thing come from drinking, okay? Not one good thing. But I've seen a lot of bad things. I saw all the marriages my mom destroyed. I know what it's like to be raised in an alcoholic home. I know what it's like to find my mother passed out on the floor night after night and have to care for her. I've seen this stuff up close and personal. But not just in my childhood, but as an adult. You know, and a pastor. I've talked to people who've had issues with this. It's become a problem. I know of two pastors in particular that lost their ministry because they ended up with a drinking problem. This is something we have to take seriously and be very careful of. And here's my approach to it. I don't want to be under the control of anyone or anything but Jesus Christ. <laughs> Nothing else. The Bible says don't be drunk with wine where there can be excess but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we don't need the spirits, we need the Spirit in our life. But maybe a little thing like that has become a big thing right now. Oh, I can handle it, you said. It'll never get the best of me. Well, now it has the best of you. And that little problem just became a giant. You know, at Easter, back in my childhood, uh, a lot of stores would sell little bunnies and chicks and people would buy them for Easter. Uh, which I always thought was a curious thing. I mean, because chicks turn into chickens, right? I mean, uh, did you want a pet chicken? They're not usually the best pets. You know, walking your chicken down the road a little leash, it doesn't usually work out that way. And bunnies are pretty much the same, you know? And, and so, you know, you, you got the little bunnies and chicks for Easter. It was so cute, and the kids loved them. And, you know, two months later, you have chickens and Rabbits and all of a sudden chicken McNuggets and rabbit stew, sounding very good. <laughs> Little things that were cute became big things that are not so cute. Or you might be facing a giant of another kind, like a non-believing husband, wife, or child. And you've almost given up hope because you've prayed and you've shared with them and you've, well, nagged them <laughs> and you've pressured them and you've done everything you can and they seem to be getting worse and further from the Lord and you wonder, are they ever gonna come to Christ? So we all have giants, number one. Number two, David knew the battle belonged to the Lord. Do you know that? Your battle that you're fighting, your challenges that you're facing, your temptations that you're experiencing, listen to this, the battle belongs to the Lord. Do you know certain friends that you like to hang out with that you get along with very well, but they don't get along well with each other? So if you're having a dinner, you say, well, we can invite that person, but if we invite them, we can't invite, them, invite that other person because you know, they always have a conflict. That's how faith and fear are. If faith is present, fear is gone. 
If fear is present, faith is gone. When one walks in, the other walks out. So every day we have a choice. Are we going to live by faith or are we going to live by fear? The children of Israel came to the brink of the promised land. They were poised to enter in, but they decided, they decided to send in 12 spies. I don't think any of them were 007 though. And 10 came back, the majority, with a very scary report. The people are huge in the land. Our adversaries are giant and we'll be killed. And then the minority, that was Joshua and Caleb, came back and just said, everything's big there. Check out these grapes that we brought back but the Lord will give us the land. The people chose to believe the majority report. The people chose fear over faith. Look, today you're gonna have decisions. You can react in fear or you can react in faith. God is bigger than your problem. And the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Something to think about. Verse 47, David said to Goliath, it's his battle, not ours. So the Lord will give you to us. That's why giants defeat us again and again, because we face them in our own strength and we lose. You know, in Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God so we can prevail in spiritual warfare. It talks about a helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, a shield of faith, a sword of the spirit, and so forth. But before a word is mentioned about armor, we're told this in verse 10. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In other words, before you do anything else, you need to lean on the Lord. You need to trust in the Lord. Alexander McLaren, a great Bible commentator, made this statement, and I quote, he who has the Holy Spirit in his heart and the scripture in his hands has all he needs. If you have your Bible with you, grab your Bible right now. Grab it, hold it in your hand. He that has the Holy Spirit in his heart and the scripture in his hands, he writes, has all he needs. You have all you need. God will never give you more than you can handle. You'll never be tempted above your capacity or capacity, whatever that is. <laughs> above your capacity or capacity to resist. So it's God's strength that we need to lean on. And David cites it in verse 47, so everyone will know the Lord does not need weapons to rescue his people. It's his battle, not ours. The Lord will give you to us. Listen, we're in a spiritual battle. And if you wanna win a spiritual battle, you gotta use spiritual weapons. You gotta fight fire with fire. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, look, we have two secret weapons in our arsenal as Christians that we rarely use. What do you think they are? Boycott and protest. No. Register and vote. There's a place for that for sure. But that's not even it. How about this? Pray and preach. Pray and preach. Pray and preach the gospel. So here's the thing. You, maybe you have fear. You, you're overwhelmed. I don't know how we're going to deal with this. Pray about it. Turn your worries into prayers. The Bible says in Philippians, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And the peace of God that passes all human understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So this is how you approach a giant. And by a giant, again, an obstacle, a problem, a challenge, a temptation, an addiction, whatever. Look at it in the light of God. Don't look at God in the light of your giant. Look at your giant in the light of God. Guess what? God's bigger than your giant. And God can defeat your giant because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. 
In the Lord's Prayer, which is really a template for all prayer, Jesus said, after this manner, therefore pray. In other words, this isn't just a great prayer to pray, though it is. There's nothing wrong at all with praying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and so forth. But really it's a model for prayer. So Jesus says, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he says, and pray, give us this day our daily bread. Now if we wrote the Lord's Prayer, it would be, our Father who art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. God, how are you doing? Good to see you. Here's what I need. But Jesus says, no, don't pray that way. When you pray, stop and contemplate the awesomeness of God. Stop and worship the Lord. Get your problems into perspective. Big God, small problems. Big problems, small God. Or a small view of God. My Father who art in heaven, hallowed or honored or glorified be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My God in heaven, who happens to be my Father, who's in control of all things, who is sovereign. Now here's my need. Well, immediately, it'll change my perspective because I'm looking at God in his greatness and thus I'm seeing my problem in its smallness. So it's prayer and it's preaching too, proclaiming the gospel. In a way, it's sort of attack mode. You know, when we preach the gospel, we are attacking. You know, we look at our culture and it's so dark. And we say, how do we change culture? You change culture one person at a time. And that happens through something called conversion. <laughs> it happened to you, it happened to me, and it can happen for others where they can become completely different people. That's why we're so committed to proclaiming the gospel here at Harvest. And David attacked his giant. That's point number three. Attack your giants. You know, earlier in the story, uh, in chapter 17, verse 25, one of the Israelites says, have you seen this man Goliath who has come up? In other words, Goliath now had crossed the ravine and now was on Israel's side. So it's not like Goliath was just standing in the valley of Elah saying, come on down here and fight me. He was marching right up into the camp of Israel and bringing it right in front of them. And that's how it happens. If you tolerate a Goliath, he'll take over your territory. He'll go right up on your doorstep. He'll get in your grill, as Hans likes to say. Um, so here's the deal. Here's how you deal with giants. You don't back off. You don't compromise. You don't make deals. You attack them. You attack your giants. Look at verse 48. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David ran out quickly to meet him. So you say, well, okay, this all sounds very nice and spiritual, but I don't really know what this means. Okay, let's get practical for a moment. <clears throat> let's say you have a problem with drinking or drugs or um, pornography. Deal with it. So it starts by saying, I have a problem. See, as long as you're hiding it, you're never gonna deal with it. You have to come out and say to someone you love, your husband, your wife, your mom, your dad, your pastor, a trusted friend, I have a problem with drinking. I have a problem with drugs. Th these are not autobiographical statements, by the way. <clears throat> Someone's gonna edit this and just put it out in the internet somewhere, just <laughs> saying that and with no explanation. Okay, so, or you're, you know, I have this issue. Okay, call it what it is. It's not just a problem. That's a sin. You're dealing with a sin. You're under the power of the sin. 
So you need to bring it into the light of day so it can start being dealt with. Get it out of the shadows of darkness where it has lurked into the light of day. And that brings me to point number four. Finish your giant off. So you attack your giant and you finish him off. Though Goliath fell, he was still alive. Now, think about this. David comes out with his sling, kind of like a slingshot. Uh, my son Jonathan got his son, my grandson Christopher, a slingshot for Christmas. It's like an old school slingshot carved out of a little piece of wood in a V shape with a little rubber thing you pull back and he's shooting everything with it. He's just all boy for sure. And uh, so David comes with this slingshot, really a sling that he had really learned how to use because he would fight off predators with it. He'd put a stone and start swinging it around and get a lot of momentum. And then when he released it, it was like a guided missile in a way like a bullet and it hits Goliath, but Goliath's a big guy, and he has a helmet on, but he's done, boom! And it's interesting, he doesn't fall backwards, he falls forward, and he's laying there. <clears throat> now, think of how many movies or TV shows you've seen where the hero kills the bad guy. He kills him, the bad guy's dead. Then the hero turns his back to the bad guy, right? And he's like calling someone or doing something, and then you know the scene, right? And all of a sudden the guy just stands up. He's in the frame all of a sudden, you know, with a knife. Ah, we go, oh, look behind you, you idiot. You know, David had seen all those movies. <laughs> so I thought, he's, he's down, but he's not dead. So he takes it to the next level. And what does he do? He goes over, verse 51, grabs his sword from its sheath and kills the giant and cuts off his head. David really knew how to get ahead in life, didn't he? No, seriously. Okay, now think about this. Goliath was big, he had a big neck, and he had a big sword. So David pulls it up, probably both hands, whoa, goes over, and he probably, it didn't just come off all at once, he probably had to chop. Saying, Craig, this is so sickening. It's in the Bible. He had to chop his head off. Here's your choice. Kill your giant or your giant will kill you. Marginalize it. Justify it so you can handle it. That giant's coming back for more, man. So cut its head off. You kill them or they'll kill you. And David used Goliath's sword to kill Goliath. There would be no comebacks for Goliath. So what does this mean practically? It means you burn your bridges. Let's say you have a problem with drinking. What do you do? Take the booze and pour it down the stinking drain. And don't buy any more. And don't hang around people that are drinking. And don't go to places where you're going to be tempted because you know you're vulnerable. If you have drugs, get rid of them. Well, I have a lot of drugs. That's bad stewardship. I'll sell them. No. <laughs> Do not sell them. You will be arrested as a drug dealer. Get rid of them. Throw them out. Burn your bridges. What about if you have an issue with pornography? Well, if you're viewing it online, you need to take practical steps. Uh, maybe get an internet filter, but those sometimes don't work as well as one would hope. Hey, if necessary, get rid of your stinking computer. You know, seriously. You know, Jesus said, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. For it's better to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than to be thrown into hell with two. And if your right arm offends you, cut it off for it's better to enter into God's kingdom with one arm than to be thrown into hell with two. Now, of course, you know that's not literal, right? 
There's a guy with one arm and I'm missing going, don't, no, I'm just kidding. But this is a, a picture he uses to show that we must take radical measures. In that culture, the right arm or hand was thought of as the best hand and the right eye was thought of as the best eye. So here's what it means. Do whatever you need to do to get rid of that sin in your life. And so if it literally meant you're not gonna carry a smartphone around because you viewed junk on it, then get an old school phone that actually just makes phone calls. What a revolutionary thought. I mean, there might be practical steps. Hey, if you're married, uh, tell your wife what your passwords are so she can access your account. Uh, be upfront about it. Make yourself accountable to someone. If you're single, say, I have a, tr I have a struggle here. I, you can look at my phone. You can look at my computer anytime you want. Hold me to account. You have to deal with these issues in a practical, upfront way. And so David did that exactly, and he cut off the head of his giant. And this gave courage to the rest of the Israeli army that, did, that then attacked their enemies. And you know, in the same way that they shared in the victory of David, we share in the victory of Jesus. Maybe God has spoken to your heart and you have seen your need for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came from heaven to this earth. He was born in a manger. He died on a cross. He rose again from the dead. Why? Because he loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. Listen, I'm not talking about religion. I don't want to be a religious person. I don't think you want to be one either. I'm talking about relationship with God. Jesus, who died and rose again, stands at the door of your life and he knocks and he says, if you'll hear his voice and open the door, he will come in. Question. Have you asked Jesus Christ to come and live inside of you? You might say, well, I, I think so, I'm not sure. Hey, if someone moved into your house in the middle of the night, do you think you would be aware of it? I'm sure you would. And in the same way, if Christ has come to live inside of you, you will know. And if you don't know, maybe he has not come in yet. He's just a prayer away. All you need to do is say, Jesus, I want this relationship with you. I want you to forgive me of my sin. I want to go to heaven when I die. Would you like to do that? Would you like Christ to come into your life? If so, why don't you just pray this simple prayer with me? You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart. But this is a prayer where you're asking Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord. Pray this with me now. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead. Now come into my life. I choose to follow you from this moment forward. Thank you for hearing this prayer and answering this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Did you just pray that prayer with me? If so, I want you to know in the authority of scripture that Christ himself has come to live inside of you. And let me be the first to say to you, congratulations and welcome to the family of God.